Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how is your entire balance sheet allocated? And we're going to be specifically talking about three things that you need to consider. Yeah, it should be a fun conversation, right? Yeah. Before we dive into it here, what are we drinking today, Alex? We are drinking the Big Ballard IPA uh, from Red Hook, one of the uh, one of the big breweries here in the Seattle area. Um, so it clocks in at eight point six and uh, uh, has sixty six IBUs. Yeah, so as I'm drinking here, what what is your Red Hook? You know, they, they used to be based out of, out of Woodenville. They've since uh, changed and moved from there. So, but nor, solid beers. Um, this one specifically, uh, you know, it's, a, it's IPA. You know, go figure. Alex and Ryan drank an IBA. Um, this one is, is okay. It's not my favorite IPA. If I had to rank this out of 10, I'm probably giving it maybe a six. This is an imperial IPA. So, like, it's definitely going to pack a punch, both in terms of alcohol content as well as... Um, the Imperial IPAs typically have just a, a ton of hops. Um, yeah. so I'm surprised that it's only 66 IBUs, but cause it's really got that like punch you in the mouth bitterness. Um, I like this a decent amount. I'm going to go with an eight on, on the, uh, the bottle caps. I mean, it's, uh, this wouldn't be kind of like my everyday drinker for sure. But, uh, as far as an Imperial IPA, I like this quite a bit. Again, this is out of Red Hook Brewery. If you have a chance, definitely check them out. So without further ado, Alex, let's get into the topic here. Yeah, let's jump into the balance sheet. This is a, it's interesting. You We were talking about this earlier, Alex, because I actually just met with a client yesterday about this very topic because he said, he asked me the question. He goes, Ryan, when do I start to take less risk? <laughs> and he was talking about the individual account. Right. Right. Because I questioned him. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Are you talking about individual accounts? Are you talking? And, and he goes, well, with this, this retirement account we're talking about, right? That's where he, his head went. And I paused him for a second. And I said, well, it depends on what your entire balance sheet looks like. Right. And he kind of like tilted his head. He's like, what do you mean? <laughs> right. And it, this is, it's, it's a different concept than people have been taught. They've been taught allocation, for individual accounts like, oh, hey, if I've got a brokerage account that I'm going to be using to send my kid to college, well, I need to get more conservative as the kid gets closer to college. If I'm saving for retirement, I need to get more conservative as I get closer to retirement and then like have a conversation around what the mix of assets is and like all of the fun jargon and details that people in our industry go through. Yet very few people have ever spoken into what is the allocation of your entire balance sheet? How much do we have sitting in the bank? How much do we have sitting in our company? How much do we have sitting in various different investments and looking at it truly holistically from an entire balance sheet standpoint? Yeah, just to give an exa- a quick example, what we're talking about here, let's just say you have a, and a retirement account where you are ultra aggressive. And let's just say you are 90% stocks, 10% bonds. And you also had real estate and you also have a business. And then sitting in cash, you've got $5,000. When you look at the entire balance sheet from that, like most people think they have 90-10 allocation, right? That's the risk. But when you look at the entire portfolio that I just shared, 
you're not at a 90-10. I mean, you're like at like a 95-5 or even higher. Right. Because of all the other components. Like that- it might be a 99-1. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and that's a key thing to think about there, right? Because then the question, you know, the question always comes is, is okay, as I get closer to retirement, how do I take risk off the plate? Or like, okay, do you understand how much risk you had on your plate to begin with? Right. And then you have this timing the market type problem. Like, for example, how many people decided that they wanted to retire this year in 2022 and maybe didn't retire because they didn't have a balance sheet allocated appropriately where their first month of retirement, they were going to pull money from an account that's down 20%. Yeah. And or, or, I mean, there's so many different like things to unpack with that concept that you just mentioned of like retirement income generation and things of that nature. I, I think I think where we should probably take this conversation is the dollars that we have in the market versus the dollars that we have out of the market where, and by market, we just mean something that is opinion-based, whether it is real estate, like that's based on the opinion of others, what somebody is willing to purchase it for the bond market that is going to fluctuate. Anything that is variable is going to be somewhat opinion-based. It's going to be dealt with and uh, adjusted for by outside influences or other people's opinions the stock market is certainly opinion-based versus say out of the market is going to be promise-based. It's things like dollars in a bank. Like your dollars don't fluctuate based on someone's opinion. Like you might have changes in the interest rate that you're getting on the money in the bank, but the money in the bank itself is protected. In fact, up to certain limits, it's FDIC insurance or, uh, or NCUA if you're in a credit union. So like that's an example of a protected or guaranteed asset that is out of the market and it's not influenced by other people's opinions. Yeah. And, and this goes back to, you know, you and I have had this conversation before around leverage, right? Like w- you can have higher leverage when you have money that is out of, right, out of the market. And that allows you to take more risk elsewhere because if something bad happened, it doesn't have you uh, tapping into that that account that the bad stuff's occurring. Like it's if it's going down, you have the another pie of money, if you will, that you can touch that where it's not going down. So it allows you to stay invested or st- you know keep that asset the way it was originally set to be. Well, and I, I think that you just mentioned something that's critically important. You said another pie. And like that's exactly how most people think about it. It's like, oh, I've got this investment pie and I've got this business ownership pie and I've got this cash pie. And like they think about it as totally separate. And really what we're trying to get people to do is think about it. No, no, it's one pie. It's a different slice of that pie. Right. Um, and like one of the one of the easiest ways to think about this is like okay so how often do we go through market corrections like we've been through in 2022 and if you ask a question of a client you're going to get a variety of answers right it depends on how well they know the market depends on how well they're, how well they're educated and things of that nature and like the answer is you know, depending upon how you, like how you ask the question, the answer is usually somewhere between three and eight is the answers that we usually get. 
And then like we will show like, here's the history of like the S&P 500. And then we can look at it and go, well, it doesn't happen every anything, right? It's it's a random occurrence. And so then the next question is like, okay, when's the next one slated to happen? <laughs> Who knows, right? Right. Like we're in it right now. When when does it stop? Does it continue? Like we don't have the answers to these questions because we don't have a crystal ball. It's going to be based on the news of tomorrow. And one of the best follow-up questions is, okay, well, how much of your money do you want in the market the next time it crashes? Well, none of it, Alex. (laughs) And that's almost always the answer that we get. And at the same time, it's not realistic to have all of our money out of the market. We want to have some of our money in the market because there's a reason why we invest in the market. It does really good things over long periods of time. So helping trying to figure out like, okay, how do we deal with those market downturns and those market corrections? And it's having some money in the market and having some money out of the market and then managing what dollars are where, when, why, and how. And to your client's point, when and how do we back off that risk? One and to take this a step further, just a really an overly simplistic example. I realize it's overly simplistic, but I think it does paint the picture appropriately. I I when my client asks that question, I go, as opposed to looking at the risk or dialing back the risk in the individual account, if we look at the entire balance sheet, if you were if you in your mind you wanted to retire in five years or wanted to not have to work in five years. At what point do you start to then divest and time the market and everything that that could be occurring in that instance? And of course, the client looked at me and goes, I don't know. That's why I'm working with you, <laughs> which is a great answer. But I said- Completely inaccurate. But I said, well, what if, as opposed to, because he was funding this retirement account, as opposed to funding the retirement account over the next five years- What if we just let that money sit there and we start funding his savings account so that in five years, he's got two, three years of income for retirement sitting there so that if a version of 2022 occurs, he's not tapping the market-based asset, like his retirement account. He's just living off his savings, which allows that market-based asset to then come back if it's down 20% in that given year. And this is why we're talking about looking at the entire balance sheet, not just the individual account. And as naturopathic doctors, you've got business equity, right? Which is has its own risk class. You've got real estate, you've got retirement accounts, you've, right? So you have you have to look at the entire balance sheet and, and understand what your true risk is and how to set yourself up appropriately so that the risk doesn't make or break you. Absolutely. And the, one of the crazy things when we start digging into this is thinking about it from a standpoint of like, okay, our savings type vehicles, what types of rate of return do we get on those, Ryan? Do we get big returns or do we get small returns? Small ones, yeah. Yeah. Like at best, we're getting like a four or 5% rate of return, right? Now, on the equity and the practice, what rate of return are we getting on that? That's normally where the biggest returns are coming from for business owners. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if we're running the practice properly, like, wow, we can really get 10, 15, 20, maybe even more 
as a rate of return inside of our own practice. Now, what type of rate of return are we getting on our investment portfolio? Right. It depends on, who how, knows? on how we're allocated, right? For those of you, we're, we're not on video. So I shook my head and I should have said <laughs> something. <laughs> um, but it, like typically, if we're in a, a like a 70-30 type portfolio, like the stock component is going to outpace the bond component over a longer time period. And so as we get closer and closer to retirement, if we just keep putting the same dollars into these funds, the cash and then out of the market component is going to wind up being smaller and smaller unless we outsize the contribution to it and really make it an intentional thing to either fund that or to shift assets from something that is more aggressive to something that is more conservative, selling our practice over a five to 10 year time period before retirement. The more that we'd have these big one-time things like selling our practice all at one time, the more that we expose ourselves to market timing. Yes, maybe with the practice, but also with where we put that money after we sell the practice. So if we made a one-time, if we sold our practice in say December of 2021 and put it all in a a balanced portfolio of 70-30 inside of uh, stocks and bonds, ouch. Bonds were down double digits this year or have been so far. And stocks have been down double digits so far this year. So it, like the timing of that would have been terrible in the example that I gave. We don't want to make those huge shifts. Yes, we're going to be forced into making some of those types of shifts. But at the same time, we need to keep in mind how, like, where, what is our money in the market? What is our money out of the market? And what is the balance sheet allocation instead of just looking at the asset allocation inside of the retirement account or inside the brokerage account or wh- whatever investment accounts we have. Yeah. So that this transition over time that we're talking into is, is key. It's not necessarily transition over time in one particular account. It's transition over time over the entire balance sheet. Absolutely. So as a real quick review or recap of what we just discussed, right? Again, most people, when they're looking at risk or what risk they're taking, they're looking at indiv- an individual account. And we're suggesting that you look at the entire balance sheet, right? As naturopathic doctors, you've got equity in your in your business, you've got cash, you've got retirement accounts. So looking at the entire balance sheet and understanding what that risk looks like from that perspective. Step number two would be, okay, how much of that is in the market versus out of the market? And then step number three is looking at a transition over time for the entire balance sheet, not the individual account. Which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Our question today is really fairly basic. It is, how is your balance sheet allocated? This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or quantified financial partners and opinions stated are your own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax legal or accounting advice. Consult your tax legal or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. 
This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License Number 15319412. CA Insurance License Number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699. CA Insurance License Number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2022-148-000, expiration December 2024.